Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast, Sean Anderson. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And with me today is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. And for the first time in eight games since September 18th, it's currently September 29th, we are coming to you after a White Sox win. The White Sox win 4-3 to three in Minnesota. They lose two out of three against the Twins, but thankfully snap the eight-game losing streak that they were on, and that ties or gives the Sox two losing streaks of eight this year, which is a, you know, a banner year for them, Herb. Awesome year. Good job, White Sox. And I guess good fight today. Today's game was boring as yesterday's game, but they happened to score more runs than the Minnesota Twins, who made that clutch air at the end of the game with Nick Gordon dropping the ball to give uh, hustling Mark Payton a job uh, second base, and then the White Sox eventually drove him in. So it was good to see that the White Sox I mean, finally took advantage of other people's mistakes, and so... Yeah, I win as a win. 77th win of the year. Hey. <laughs> GR says the headline was Sox win a game. Not sure why, but it's funny. It is funny. It's just hilarious. I mean, someone called in our pregame uh, back before game one. The Sox will score seven games in this series. Close. They scored eight. So, I mean, it's just funny. It's just bad baseball that we're watching. Um, there were some interesting things in this game. I think it was probably the most interesting game out of the three that we've seen. But that's not saying much no, because it was like all. watching laundry dry. It's just so, uh, like, I'm so happy that we're six games away. I cannot fathom another six games past this. Like, even if they won the uh, AL Central, I'd be like, oh, I don't even want to watch the playoff games. <laughs> just, I don't want that. This team is just, ugh. Yes. And some people say unlikable. I don't know necessarily unlikable, but their brand of baseball is unwatchable. I don't know. Well, they're uninspiring. I mean, and we saw that with Rick Hahn. I mean, Rick Hahn obviously didn't find this team super inspiring to, to add at the deadline. The only addition was Jake Diekman. And all the good stuff that Elvis Andres has done, he used it all for that time because he hadn't got a hit in, in ever, Jerry, in ever. I think he's like 0 for 21 now. Well, he said that the Guardians were going to crumble, and it just seems like he's crumbled. He has um, definitely crumbled. And crum- I'm glad he's still posting in the first as uh, the leadoff batter up there. He doesn't, you know, take days off. I hope for these last six games, these guys get their stats right. I don't. I want to see Aloy in the game a little bit more. Saw him pinch hitting today for these last six games. No reason to rest these guys unless they ask out. Of course, Johan's hurt, so don't play him. Same thing with Tim and Luis Robert. But otherwise, I want to see the players play out and have some pride. And, yes, they won today, but it was just a lackluster effort again. I just think that Minnesota kind of gave them the game today. Well, I want to talk about something real quick, and we do have a super chat. So before we get to the topic I want to talk about, let's talk about uh, what Kevin wants to talk about. Thank you very much for the super chat, Kevin. Is that Zach Levine getting his hair cut? What is... What's the profile pick? Uh, both the Bulls and Sox had 
underwhelming off seasons after a first round exit. Is Jerry the common denominator? Also, should Robert be uh, on the trade block? Herb, let's answer that first one. Uh, is Jerry the common denominator on why the Bulls and Sox had underwhelming off seasons? I don't know how much Jerry has his hand in the Bulls thing because he pretty much given all control to his son, Michael. So I can see where you can go there. But Jerry is the common denominator because he has ownership in both teams. But blame goes to one Frederick Hahn. That is the blame you need to have your ire focused towards because he got money. This is the seventh highest payroll at the opening day in Major League Baseball. And you saw what he did with the offseason that the White Sox had. Only got you relievers, got you Josh Harrison, and brought back Lurie Garcia. So that is where the blame goes. I don't too much blame Jerry Reinsdorf. He gave the money. They have a lot of money available to players. So I understand the whole blame Jerry thing, but time to take off the Teflon suit. Time to blame Rick Hahn for a couple things. Yeah, and I think, too, like, listening to the Bulls guys, it doesn't seem like they felt too underwhelmed by the offseason. I think it was just kind of the the roster construction just restricted them. Like, you had to sign Zach Levine. I know Steven disagrees with that. Yeah, but, you had to. Um, you had to. I mean, you're not just going to let him walk, nope. and he any other team would sign him to a max contract. Correct. And then if you were saying it's underwhelming because you didn't get Kevin Durant, well, no team got Kevin Durant, so every under, uh, offseason would be underwhelming. And they didn't have the that. necessary bullets to go and get Donovan Mitchell. They didn't have necessary bullets to go and get uh, Rudy Gobert. You didn't want to go and get yeah, Rudy Gobert Rudy for Gobert. the price that Minnesota played for him. So I don't know what the Bulls could have done differently there. They could have signed every point guard ever like the <laughs> Lakers did. But instead, they just held Pat, couldn't get Goran Dragic, who didn't get the memo. And now they have a pretty solid team. Without Lonzo Ball, they're pretty solid with Lonzo Ball on the team. And they had some good news today. Check out our guys, CHGO Bulls, who are doing the post game right now. If After our show, go ahead and check out theirs so you can find the Lonzo Ball good news uh, out in their podcast. But they got some good news there. Io's growing, of course. He's the best player on the team. Um, isn't ILL. Is he not? I and I. And so the Bulls, I think, are still, like, their fans are encouraged. Anybody in this chat encouraged that the White Sox this offseason are going to do anything next season? No. Because we know it's the same garbage going to be next year, too. Well, and you assume, too, since they didn't make the playoffs, you won't have playoff money. So I doubt that budget that was seventh most in the major leagues would be seventh uh, looking at 2023. And asked another question, too, right? Well, and well, and I want to just uh, wrap up on the, the Bulls-Sox thing real quick. I do want to talk to probably our Bulls guys just about this because I heard something like before Boylan's last year, like Garpack's both checked out and it was basically Jim Boylan running that show. Oof. And I think that that was before... Um, Jerry's son, I'm blanking on the name, Michael, Michael. took over. Um, and I think maybe that's what's happening with the Sox. I don't know if Jerry and or, uh, Kenny and uh, Rick have checked out, but I don't know if Jerry's like fully on them. Like, here's your budget. I'm mad at the product and like, that's all you'll hear from me. But I don't know if there's too much middling and I, I honestly don't know how much they care. I, I we, If we're questioning how much the White Sox players care, I, I'm going to question how much the White Sox front office cares. I know Rick Hahn was all fake mad after the trade deadline, but brother, you're the one controlling this. Like, you, you were fake mad in 2016 when you were mired in mediocrity and nothing's changed. You're 2-8. and eight. You have two winning seasons and eight losing seasons, brother. Uh, like, you fake, suck at your job. Fake mad. That's the it's, perfect way. It's fake mad. And yep. I like, I mean, that's that's what I'm going to say because, like, I, I do we really think Rick Hahn's that pissed off? Like, I think Rick Hahn is probably confident in his own abilities as a GM. I don't think his confidence shaken is because he's had a job for 10 years and he's done nothing. Like he has the best job security in the world. Like you said, the Teflon needs to be taken off him uh, this year. And I, I think that, you know, that that nickname is so generous to him, honestly, like it's, it's a good nickname. Like it's, it's just a good rhyming nickname. Um, but That's also like courtesy of beef loaf from the one Oh eight, but I initially called him Teflon Rick and then Teflon Han was right. Goddamn yeah. there. And I was like, oh, I'm so sad. Then, then I had been calling him that for years. And then shout out to beef loaf, but also hashtag fuck beef loaf 2022. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like, this guy doesn't deserve the protection that he has. And you're always questioning like, what is the good thing that he's done? 
the signing Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez to contracts before they started, no one else has done that. No one else is following suit. Project Birmingham, that's a little interesting because we now we haven't seen you know anybody put all of their baskets into or all of their players into one. Uh, minor league system like this before, um, but now the Cubs are kind of following suit because they've introduced uh, a kind of a minor league camp at Wrigley Field where they've invited some players not to go to the fall league, but to get instructions here in Chicago, some kind of advanced uh, practice and facility where they can work on those guys together in a bubble, kind of like what the Sox are doing. So I, I think it's interesting, um, at least some of the things that Sox are doing, but you can possibly make the argument that that's Chris Getz and not Rick Hahn. Like, I don't know what he's done well. I don't. I don't know what Chris Getz does well. I don't know what anybody in the White Sox organization does well, except for Marco Patti. Marco Patti finds great international signings. He's good at his job. Yeah. Otherwise, it's real tough to see. And, of course, um, Ethan Katz is good at developing pitchers, getting pitchers back to their maximums. I mean, you could say Lucas Giolito isn't an uh, example of that, but I'm sure this offseason – with Ethan Katz, you'll see old Lucas Giglio come back. We saw little glimpses of it today, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, right after we talk about the Robert stuff. Uh, final thing I have to say, if you don't follow me on Twitter, it's called being bitter for a reason. Um, you bring up Marco Potty, uh, and the guy is, uh, you know, Rick Hahn is the contract guy. You know, one of the guys Marco liked, Juan Soto. You know mm. how much the White Sox lost out on him? I think like 100K. Um, so just just real brutal. Uh, Chi-Town fanboy can't wait until Kenny Williams Jr. takes over as GM. Uh, I did have uh, somebody was mentioning. They like, drafted him. What's, what's Kenny's timeline look like? And I think he said he wanted to retire um, when his contract was up, but we don't know when his contract's up. Uh, final question, though, was Luis Robert and, and him getting traded. Um, since we have Vinny on the line, let's just roll Vinny into that because it's a super chat. So let's, uh, let's answer Kevin's question right after we tell you about points bet points bet is the best way to bet live tonight on football they're bringing you a better way to bet live on games which means before this ad is over tonight you could place a live same game parlay bet you could bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second half over bet i like the first half under bet so if you're looking for something in the miami cincinnati game tonight i like under on the first half with points bet you have more access to live football markets than ever before you could build the live perfect same game parlay by combining your favorite bets any time during the game including spreads totals player props and more i got a two dollar free game same uh free same game parlay from points bet because i signed in from 12 to 1 p.m two dollar same game parlay check out chicago bears uh after dark tonight starting at 6 30 where you can see what i'm putting together on that parlay but hopefully you could win some money and you could choose the outcome in the next drive and points with points bets lightning bet so whether you're on the move or on the couch do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And if you deposit $50 or more as a new customer using the code CHGO, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. You'll get a yearly CHGO membership. You'll also get a... Uh, you'll get access to our CHGO Discord. We call it the CHGO Lounge. And you'll get a free shirt from the CHGO Locker. Herb's got a CHGO shirt on. I have my new CHGO shirt on, so there's no better time to take advantage of the best deal in town. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBA for crisis counseling and referral services. Now, let's tell you about game time. I want to go up to Marco, um, our guy, always commenting, uh, always happy, always bringing some positive energy. Marco's Bueno uh, says, Sean and Herb, finally, they won a game. On a positive note, if you want to call it that, I'll be at Pepco Park tomorrow, courtesy of game time tickets. Love watching your podcast. Cheers, fellas. And if you love CHGO, you're going to love um, Game Time. We were created for fans, and Game Time was created by fans for the fans. The hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, 50-yard line uh, at, at the Bears game, maybe courtside at the Bulls game coming up, maybe behind home plate in the Sox Twin Series in the final home games, uh, home series, floor seats at a concert. I got uh, dick tickets to uh, the Riviera on, on Monday, sitting up at the balcony. It was really nice to go to a concert with a chair. Um, it's possible with the Game Time app to find these seats that you crave. The biggest last-minute Price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy, and you won't find a better deal this season on White Sox tickets, especially for those final three games against Minnesota at home. They guarantee the lowest price, and they have fantastic customer service uh, that Herb can tell you about. He found, uh, you know, he bought tickets to an Atlanta game, yep. saw it was on a, a cheaper, uh, cheaper on a different site. Told that to the game time people, and within like uh, you know thirty minutes, he, he got credit in his game time. Twelve minutes. I, I literally counted it down. Like I was surprised. They, I was expecting, you know, the regular runaround you get from these companies. Like blah blah blah. This is not this. This is not that. No, they're like, cool. You did your work. Here's your uh, credit. <laughs> I looked at the game time app. Forty six dollars in my uh, game time account. 
immediately, which I used later on for when we went to the White Sox game on that Tuesday. It was like the surprise game we went to. They lost to the Cleveland Guardians. Right. But it was still good. It was cheap tickets. I think I bought all the tickets with the $46 and then $2 extra le- left over for great seats. There you go. So if you love CHGO, then you love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people, 15 million and one now, that uh, Marcos bought his tickets, who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. And Petco, too. Mercy. I tell you what, nice. Marco. There's nothing better. Hey, I hey. mean, there's two ballparks better, but you're going to enjoy yourself out he's, there. He's asking for some wrecks. I mean, go to any place that sells uh, tacos or burritos <laughs> and ask them for a California burrito. Carne asada, fries, uh, sour cream, cheese, everything. It's the biggest burrito you uh, ever bring have. Bring up Vinny. Vinny's got two thumbs up. No, yeah. no. Hold him up, Vinny. Vinny. Vinny's endorsing you right here. Yes. I love a California burrito. And love going, a California. And you're going burrito. back out there in December, right? Well, no, I'll be, I'll be, oh, I'll be a little the, further west in, in December. Outback. I'll be all the way west. Be down under, mate, <laughs> um, and eating some veggie, mate. Not, not California burritos. Uh, that's Vinny Duber, the voice of Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's also on our bubble here on our YouTube channel live. Um, you could chat with us if you want to check out the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Vinny is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. Vinny, we had a super chat from our guy Kevin. Um, we talked a little bit about the differences between the Sox and the Bulls, but also. Um, People are wondering about Luis Robert and uh, if he should be traded. Um, I just want to have this discussion with you three now. Um, I would say no, mainly because you see what he was doing before the injury on August 12th, uh, 790 OPS, 12 homers. Like, I think it was a down season, but we saw some really good stretches from Robert this year that I think were, you know, showing exactly what he did later in the ha- uh, in, in the last half of 2021 where he was phenomenal. Yeah, I don't know if we ever really saw that, Luis Robert, but I think the whole point is that we haven't, you know, that we didn't really see any Luis Robert just because uh, of all the injuries. I mean, this is a guy who I think you can count four different times had had his season interrupted by, you know, if not something severe, just something that that really broke up any kind of flow that he had going. I mean, at, at first early in the season, I think it was a groin injury, something in his leg uh, that 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 sidelined him for a little bit for a few days then he comes back starts getting good and he told us all this the other day by the way you know he he ran us through this again but then he has the uh you know the the COVID infection uh and then he comes back starts doing well from that and then he gets hit with the the whole dizziness and the blurred vision from the vitamin deficiency comes back and then you get the wrist thing so I mean he's a guy who never was able to get in sync and I think they kind of point to that as kind of you know, a microcosm of what happened team wide, that the team was never able to get in sync because it always was one injury or another. That's what they're talking about uh, uh, these last few days in Minnesota. But with Luis Roberts specifically, that explanation applies to him very much, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to describing his season. So um, I don't think anybody should be giving up on Luis Robert. Um, you know, if you're talking about trade value of these young core players, he's probably got the most of it just because he's still the guy with all that talent, with all those tools. And he's still the guy who is under contract for a long time, uh, you know, and, and and has a lot of club control left. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're sorting sorting all these young core players by trade value, he might be at the top of that list. But um it, it also goes both ways, right? It means he's a guy that you don't want to give up because you have invested in him and you've kind of planned out your team uh, in a way around him, certainly around some other guys as well. But uh, but he's right at the top of that list of the guys that, you know, you want to have on your team if you're trying to win a World Series. Definitely agree, Vinny. And I wanted to know, you know, Sean and I are pretty much done with the season. So when we see the victory, it's better than losing. So we're fine with it. How does the how do the players how do the clubhouse take it? Because you know I hear that you know a win is a win in Major League Baseball, and so they probably have their hopes up and they're like happy that they didn't lose after an eight in a row. How was the clubhouse today? Yo, well, it was uh, there was noise in it. Uh, oh. You know, you, I think I've told you. You know, they play they play loud music after they win. They play nothing after you lose, and uh, so uh, you know they've got the they got the music blaring in there. And Lucas Giolito comes in to talk to us, and I go, "How's it feel to finally have some music playing in there?" And he went, and he's big smile on his face, and oh god, that's good. You know, it's just it it had been a while for these guys. You know, I think. You, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised to see that this was the first time Liam Hendricks even pitched since that Tuesday right. game against Cleveland, Jesus just because not only have they not been in a safe situation, they haven't been winning. 
Um, but, you know, usually to go that long for a closer, especially, but the bullpen guy in general without pitching uh, is nuts. And, um, you know, I can I think that kind of smacked me over the head a little bit about how long it had been. Uh, but then you go in there and, and you can see that there's smiles on these guys' faces and they're they're happy. Miguel Cairo was very happy to win. We walked in there and he's like, everybody smiled. This is, we, we finally got one of these. So, um, you know, uh, they they are playing for pride. They're playing to finish strong and they're playing to be above 500 uh, by the end of the year because, as they keep saying, they think this team uh, is an above 500 team. I mean, and, and you, can, you can argue that that's small potatoes compared to what they were supposed to do this year, and you'd be correct. But... Uh, when that's all you got left to play for, um, you know, it's, it's something. And then it's, and it's, I don't know if it's necessarily driving these guys right now or bringing them life that they didn't have throughout the whole season. Um, but uh, it's something they want uh, because to, to be able to not finish uh, even above 500 uh, adds another rung to this disappointment ladder that they've gone ahead and constructed this year. As our music guy, uh, how's the quality of the music that they did play today? Awful. <laughs> is it edm no it's i mean listen i should i should qualify that as saying awful uh, by my level of taste but uh let's put it this way i heard a lot of the songs that they were playing at my middle and high school dances in there so uh, a lot of uh a lot Rhythm of is uh, a dancer a lot of mid 2000s rap so that was not necessarily my jam then nor is it my jam now so i'm sure there's plenty of people in the clubhouse who are happy about it but uh, uh in 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 my when it comes to my taste uh you know the, a lot left to be desired well usually you are like i have no clue what they're playing so at least you could identify it today you that's know? true these were songs that i have heard before <laughs> all right good to hear um i want to well i mean this is around music here uh, what, what are you listening to on the way home i mean you better be putting some replacements on at least while you're still in the state of minnesota yeah i guess so i mean i i haven't really crafted it yet i kind of freestyled on the way here to be honest you know i knew i wanted to do the uh the minnesota artist but so obviously plenty of bob dylan uh that i could that i could throw on afterwards and, and we'll see we'll, we'll go from there but uh also too you know i might just be feeling just might be feeling shuffle you know what i mean okay. might just be one of those where it's like all right we got six and a half hours let's just play six and a half hours and and, and give me what you got phone well here all i'll say is let it be by the replacements i don't even think it's over yeah it's, it's a half hour so i mean it, it, it knocks you down to six hours of shuffle all right so that, that's all i'll say 33 minutes all right. it, i'll it's, give it a go i'll give it a, it a go a, for you it's a quick one and there's a couple skips in there too so i mean you could probably knock it down to 28 minutes um let's uh real quick too i just want to note this emmanuel class a in september is pitched in 16 games this is liam hendrick's ninth so kind of just shows you uh how the socks have fallen off really uh late here um I do. Did you guys talk to Leary Garcia today? I did see Daryl um, ended up having some some quotes. I wasn't sure if you were guys were talking to Leary. No, Daryl talked to him uh, at some point this week, but that was not a a group session. No. Okay. Was there was there anyone today that really stuck out? Because I mean, you talked to Luis yesterday. Was was there anyone that really were you able to talk to anyone pregame or postgame that you know stuck out? Yeah, I mean, I talked to Josh Harrison today. As 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 the copy machine by me is uh, is going nuts here right now, but. Uh, Thanks, thank you to the Twins for letting me use this conference room because the music was still blasting from the stadium in the place where I was the last two nights. But uh, but yeah, now we've got the nice the nice hum of the copier. Uh, but yeah, I talked to Josh Harrison today, and he kind of described uh, this season as uh, you know he goes, I've been a lot, I've been in this baseball for a long time. You know, he's played a lot of seasons, a dozen of them, I think. Um, you know, he's been on all kinds of teams, and he said this was a weird one. Uh, I mean, I, I think everybody. I think everybody in this organization is pretty flummoxed by what happened this year. I don't think anybody can look at this with some certainty right now and say, you know, oh, it was because of this. We screwed this up. Let's fix that and we'll be back to where we were. I think there's a lot of mystery and maybe not mystery, but just confusion and, and you know, kind of looking up and not being able to believe that they're in the position that they're in, given the amount of talent on this roster. Uh, given the amount of experience on this roster, certainly the amount of experience uh, that the manager had and that the front office has had with these players. Um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy uh, to, to think that this is where they're ending up, that there is a chance that they could be a sub 500 team as they are currently. Uh, you know, they'd have to win more than they lose over the next uh, six here that they've got in order in order to finish the season above 500. And that's just crazy to say, given where this team was at the beginning of this year. Um, and so Josh Harrison kind of echoed that. Uh, he told me that he, you know, he signed a, a contract with a with a, an option on it for next year. Obviously, it's the team's option, but with an option on it for next year for a reason. Um, and, and, and he thought he was going to come here and be able to win. And I think that that 
feeling is still there in a way. So uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it was interesting stuff from him, interesting stuff from the guys kind of all week, you know, talk to, talk to Dylan Cease, talk to Joe Kelly, talk to, uh, talk to Andrew Vaughn. And and it's really a lot of, you know, it didn't play well enough. I, I think, you know, I talk about kind of the, 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 the mystery of why perhaps, but I think everybody knows that this was, this was not a season in which things went well, that there, there were more, more downs than ups, uh, uh, as one of, one of the guys said this week. So um, I don't think they know exactly why they couldn't get consistent. You know, they pointed to injuries, obviously, as we talked about yesterday, but um, just uh, this is the end of a, a very bizarre season, a weird one, as Josh Harrison called it. And I don't think it's going to get any less weird uh, as, it, as, as time kind of separates them from the end of it. Well, I just kind of want to follow up there because, um, and I just, because we've talked like about the injuries and when we were talking about Luis Robert, you know, there was comments that were flashing the warning sign and be like injury excuse, you know, there you go. Um, it doesn't seem like the Sox are really leaning on injuries as an excuse. Like there's definitely a reason why they didn't meet expectations, but it seems like mostly what you're saying is the guys are like, well, we just didn't play well enough. Like injuries were a thing, but we still needed to play better. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I even asked Lucas Giolito at post game today, I go, you know, can you talk about what, what went wrong for you guys, basically. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, I'll start with the injuries, but also there's a lot. There's a lot of reasons why things went wrong, why things didn't go right. Uh, every time people, uh, I'm guessing fans, hear you know, them blame the injuries for something, they roll their eyes and go, oh, of course, they're going to say that. Oh, that's such a cop-out kind of thing. And I think uh, I'll bring up again what I guess is a catchphrase of mine at this point. Multiple things can be true. Um, they could have played really bad all year and the injuries are not the only reason they lost, but guess what? They were injured a lot. That's just true. And and if you talk about getting consistency from your play, uh, whether it be at the plate, whether it be at the mound, in the field, on the bases, whatever. Uh, and you know, this team struggled to get consistency in any aspect all year long. Um, they couldn't get consistency in health. And, and they couldn't and they couldn't trot, trot a lineup out there that could grow together and figure out how to play. Now, granted, you could say that they should know that already, obviously, but um, it's it's it, it, injuries are a valid excuse or a valid reason for why things didn't go well. Uh, they are far from the only reason things did not go well. And, I, and I, I think that the players know that and that's what is being reflected in their answers to these questions over the last few days. How's Lucas feeling? It looked like he was uh, struggling like he does usually in that first inning. Then he settled down and got the job done with the five innings pitched and six strikeouts, only three walks today. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming a little bit of a theme here. We had the kind of the same situation the last time he pitched uh, at home. And then again today where things started real bad and, and it was not going well. And then he made an adjustment and it worked. Uh, and, and I think that happened again today, where as he was kind of searching all over, looking, trying to do something in the first inning there, it wasn't working. He almost threw 30 pitches. And then at some point it just clicked for him. Uh, now, the whole point is that he's got to stop getting it to click after he gives up two runs, uh, you know, in the first inning. Uh, the And basically I asked him kind of, you know, how do you how do you see your season? What went wrong with your season here kind of thing? And he pointed out a big thing was in the middle of the year, rather than kind of making those little adjustments in the moment, which which have helped him succeed here in the last couple of outings, the last few outings. He tried to change everything. He tried to overhaul everything in the middle of the year and it was too much. And it was that whole trying to do too much, which we heard as an explanation for why a lot of the guys were struggling on offense for, you know, we heard that from Tony uh, plenty of times throughout the year. Um, And I think Lucas was trying to do it within his own bubble of trying to fix his own season. So, um, you know, you can't hit a a five run homer. You can't uh, go out and throw a perfect game with one pitch. And uh, I think Lucas was trying to do that throughout the throughout the middle of the season. Now that it's gotten down to the end here, I think he's kind of figured out how to go about things, how to attack things a little more in the moment. And it's worked for him the last little bit. But um, he's obviously uh, got to uh, figure something out this offseason because to end uh, the season, obviously he's got one more start left, but to end a season with a five ERA for, with the kind of pitcher that we know that he's capable of being is just not going to cut it, especially for a team that's trying to win the World Series. I think last time we talked after a Lucas start, you mentioned he was working on mechanics and you talked about those tweaks there. Um, did he talk about anything, especially with this fastball? Because it, it does seem like he's losing a lot of velocity and life on it. I know he's trying to work through some stuff. I'm not sure if he mentioned anything about that today and, and what he might have found. 
Uh, not so, I, I don't think so specifically today. Just in general, he's said, you know, after starts that that he's been struggling to find his stuff all year long. And, and I think that it's um, I think that it's kind of going to take him some time to to, you know, once he gets an entire offseason going where he doesn't have to worry about pitching every fourth day, you know, where he doesn't need to worry about it being perfect every fourth day and he can go 15, 20, 30 days in a row of just trying to figure it out without having to worry about a guy hitting a home run off of you or, or, or a guy going to first base on a walk. Um, you would think that it would, uh, that it would be able to uh, be a little easier for him to do that. So he's got Ethan Katz. He's got the guy that fixed him the first time. You would like to think that uh, those conditions uh, would be helpful for him. Uh, it's going to be a very important off season for Lucas Giolito. Um, it's going to be a very important off season for the White Sox in general, but um, this is a guy who going into uh, 2021, a lot of people might have been able to argue that he was the or going into 2022, I should say, might have been able to argue that he was the ace of the staff, depending on what your definition of that word is. Uh, I think I would have been among them. Uh, and I think he's going to go into 2023 uh, if you were to go ahead and rank, you know, the pitchers in order of their effectiveness, no higher than fourth. Right. Uh, right. So this is a guy who um, can be a one because we've seen him do it before. Uh, he's got to find his way back to it because the only way you win the World Series is by having a lot of guys who are capable of that kind of performance on a regular basis. I looked at the Sox starters ERA today on the season, right there at 16, right in the middle, right, and and they got to they got to get it they got to get it lower. Uh, it's not that they've been bad. I think the starting pitching has been among the uh, finer uh, elements of this team throughout the year. But um, if they're going to be a championship caliber pitching staff, they got to have three, four guys who can go out there and, and, and deliver every day. Lucas has been far from that this season. And this is not necessarily for today's game, but Lucas did struggle in the first inning. And we've seen multiple pitchers do this consistently. Like Michael Kopech had a lot of troubles getting out the first thing without throwing 25 pitches or more. Is there anything organizationally or even cats can fix or they can do something experimental to have these first innings not be as so, uh, you know, tiresome for these pitchers because through these uh, first inning pitches of 25 or more, they can't finish the game. You know, Lucas only went five today. Michael Kopech mostly would only go five or six. Is there anything that they've spoke out of about that in particular uh, struggles in the first inning? I did ask Lucas about it. So, I mean, I can, I can talk on just him from a him standpoint. I asked him about it today. Uh, and he said, basically, it's about getting that pregame work to, to, to go a little smoother, that, that you got to be in a bit more of a rhythm in a bit more comfort zone before the game even starts. Uh, because it seems like maybe kind of the trying to find your comfort or rhythm within a start uh, is carrying into the first inning. And when you're out there searching and you're not, you know, dominating guys from the from the get go, uh, you're going to get results like you got today and like he got from much of his season. So uh, for him, it's about, uh, you know, the 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 bullpen sessions and the and the, and the warm ups that go into uh, getting ready for a start. It's about making those go a little bit smoother for him so he's able to uh, carry it into the game rather than carry a, I don't want to say lack of preparation, but a, uh, a lack of comfort into the game where he's still finding his footing after, you know, the first pitch has been thrown. Uh, and by then it's kind of a little too late. You got any more baseball thoughts? I have no more. All right, Vinny, I got uh, some donut questions. How was the blueberry <laughs> donut this morning? Dude, I 9.18 love- a.m. we get the, t- the, the tweet. I love a blueberry donut. I love a blueberry donut. I have I'm not as you as you might as I might or may not have mentioned on here. I'm not a uh, a healthy eater. Mm-hmm. Uh, fruits and vegetables not really my thing. Blueberries are blue fruit. 32, 32 years of my life, but uh, I have recently uh, dipped my toes in the water of the blueberry donut, and man, it is fantastic. I've had uh, this one now twice. This one uh, up here in Minnesota. And then over the summer, I had a, a, an exceptional one uh, in Michigan as well. So blueberry donut is, is kind of my current flavor of, uh, of my, my, you know, the hot flavor right now for me. It was, was it an old-fashioned or was it glazed? I really couldn't tell. Cake. Cake. It was, gla- okay. it was a little glazed, but yeah, cake donut. Just, mm. just your, regular, your regular business there. I respect the choice. I love it. I love to see you and, rocking blueberry. And blueberries are fruit, so you're eating healthy there. There you go. Exactly. I was just setting up the fact that it, it's not something that I've been eating for years and years. It's a, it's a new <laughs> a new thing for me. Delicious. Yeah, well, way to venture out. All right. Uh, I want to have this discussion with you, uh, and then we'll let you go, and then you can start your six-and-a-half-hour drive. Hope it's a safe one, uh, and hope you enjoy the uh, Replacements Let It Be album. Uh, but let's go to Minnesota. 
these might be the last time we see some of these jerseys uh, for the Twins because in 2023, the president said that new logos and uniforms are coming in 2023 and that they'll quote... Oh, the Twins president. I thought you meant Joe Biden announced the uniform change for the Twins. Minnesota! Get new uniforms! That they'll take a new step towards the future. And let's... I think we have the shot of all six current Twins uniforms. What are our thoughts here, Vinny? We could start with you on where the Twins should go uniform wise did they have anything that's worked i know some people like the old pinstripes of back in the day um what are your thoughts on how minnesota can kind of pick a direction here because they got five different uniforms to pick from yeah i mean i kind of i don't i don't hate the twins uniforms i think uh being around the ballpark today you see a lot of pictures of their their like 60s and 70s uniforms which are what if you look the the one you just had up there the 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 blues the baby blues Mm -hmm. um the the script is a little different and it, the script looks like the the old 50s 60s 70s ones i don't know if they were here in the 50s let's say 60s and 70s um but were. uh the uh that that script looks good to me and i i like uh i like a, a cream for the twins i think a cream would be good as maybe their home jerseys and the baby blues are great i, I don't need much red i don't need a ton of red from the twins uh, that's just me you know, I agree. They, they, they're blue, blue first for me. I don't know how much Navy I need either, um, to be quite honest, but the, the cream would look good. I think the baby blues look good. Um, go with the old, the old school script rather than the new school script. Um, and the TC hat's kind of classic, I think. So, um, I, I don't think they need a big change. Uh, I don't think they need a big change to be honest, but it sounds like they're going to get one. Uh, I don't like the pinstripes, um on the twins I, I don't know why i just i feel like pinstripes need to be limited to to the number of teams that have them needs to be shaved down it's like a it's overplayed i think uh you know like why do the rockies have pinstripes yeah. rockies don't need pinstripes they need they need more they need purple, to lean into the purple we, we've, we've yeah, talked they need, about this they need more purple but yeah no the, the twins the twins got a great thing going here i think their stadium's awesome um and uh that mini and paul logo is just phenomenal that's the the the, the handshake logo is like one of my favorite baseball logos ever. So they need to uh, they need to keep that around for sure. Yeah, I'm glad they made a big ass neon sign of it. What do you it's think? Awesome. Sir? Combines two, two, two of my two. favorite things: the mini and Paul logo, and just neon in general. Agreed. Oh, I, you know I don't like the twins, so I don't care which jerseys they oh, go man. with. But the bl- baby no, blues. It's a cop out. It's a cop out answer. On most <laughs> teams, look great. If you go baby blue, especially how you should go baby blue all the way through, like the old school Royals. And I think the twins do it from time to time with the little red accents on a blue uh, lettering. I'm fine with that. And as Vinny says, that logo with the two guys shaking hands, the twins shaking hands with the state of Minnesota behind it. They should have that on the hat as the logo. It's hard. That's hard. There's too much going on for it to be on the hat, I think. Like, just have the state of Minnesota and on the side have the two guys, like, shaking hands. The TC's really (laughs) clean. I I think it's easy for them. Um, Where where were the Lakers guys? Where were the Lakers from, guys? Minneapolis. Minnesota. All right, let's just take that powder blue and just change out that Navy. I I think I'm with you. I think that Navy's holding them back. Um, If they want to be that team that really wants to lean into the powder blue uniforms, like the 70 powder blue uniforms, I think they should do it because Texas is kind of doing it. Be the team that's like, you know what, these are our main uniforms. I agree that I kind of like the creams, but get rid of those reds. Get rid of just the whites. Get rid of the navy jerseys. Just make it a powder blue home jersey uh, or a powder blue alternate that you wear on the road. No, powder powder blue should be their regular road jerseys with the powder blue pants. Cream, cream at home. Boom, done. You don't need an alternate. Done. With the powder blue pinstripes. Cream and powder blue pinstripes. How about that? No pinstripes. No pinstripes. All right. No I was just joking. I was just joking. Not even the Kirby Puckett Road Minnesota Twins pinstripes. Minnesota. No. Um, I'm, anti, I'm anti-pinstripes for the most part. I think I think uh I think the 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 Yankees are fine with the pinstripes. The Cubs are okay with the pinstripes. Other than that, we don't need many pinstripes. I know the Sox home jerseys have pinstripes. I'm I cool. take or take or leave them. The South Side uh City Connects have pinstripes too. Yeah, don't look, yeah, not not my thing either. I don't need I'm, pinstripes. I'm a fan of the black jerseys, the black alternates for the socks, and the and the sleeveless ones. That's what I want for the socks if we're making any jersey changes. Anyways, if they yeah. were to bring back the red pinstripes, I'd be in support of that. Though I love that <laughs> '70s oh, red the Dick pinstripes. Allen's. The Bill yeah, Melton, the red the ones, Allen, the, the Belton Bill Meltons. 
I like the royal blue ones too. In in '69, they had royal blue White Sox uniforms, and I, I like I, I like I'm those. I know uh, I'm a fan of those. But anyways, Vinny, have a very very safe drive back home to uh, the, the the motherland and uh, enjoy that replacements record, and uh, maybe maybe pick up another yeah the, the motherland of <laughs> Africa, um, and uh, maybe pick up another dozen of donuts. I was gonna so. say if you're talking about my motherland, I can't drive to Sweden, man. That's uh, there's a I need an ice bridge if that's gonna work, and it's a little too early in the season for that. There you go. All right, uh, well, yeah, maybe we'll take a, a Swedish pilgrimage me and you with uh, the anderson last name and the dubers but anyways uh have a safe trip your six and a half hour trip and uh, enjoy the replacements we'll talk to you later follow Vinny on twitter at Vinny duber he's our chgo white Sox beat writer i mean going right, through wisconsin you can play the bodines some bo- some bone of Ooh, i like bone i but like that might make Vinny cry playing bony bear i mean that's that's like that's a nighttime drive that's yeah. that's some sad boy shit oh fiance loves it was uh, Boney Vare. Courtney's a sad boy, I guess. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, I, hey, what I know is up in Wisconsin is a bunch of golf courses that Illinoisans love to go to. And if you are a golfer, Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of Chicago or of CHGO for a reason. Uh, they're the presenting sponsor of Big Drive Energy out in DNVR. And that's how we were introduced to them. And now they're just supporting all city network. And we're very, very happy to have them on board. We love our Pins and Aces gear, whether we're wearing it in Wisconsin or whether we're wearing it on the links here in Illinois and we get tons of compliments whether we're up north by uh by those uh hosers in Wisconsin uh or here in in Illinois the motherland cake eaters up in Minnesota as I called it uh yeah those those packers uh and and, uh off the course too so you know when I'm on the course you know hitting drives and all that stuff I'm getting compliments when I'm when I'm off the course also getting compliments. When I'm in the parking lot putting my clubs away, I'm getting compliments. They're a family-owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve. If you want to become someone's best friend, bust out the beer sleeve on a golf course. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag, and it keeps drinks cold the entire round. So for a Chicagoan probably are drinking you could probably use this even when you're not on the course this is probably a 365 day thing for you i already see sean furlow in there talking about a bunch of beer a guy dan reyes just celebrated his 34th birthday and i saw him drinking corona with a shot i mean come on we, we you could sell a beer sleeve to chicago and so check out pinsandaces.com and use code chgo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping maybe your dad's got a birthday get him a beer sleeve go to pinsandaces.com and again use code chgo for 15% off your first order and get free shipping. Our guy Shane Newbanks coming in saying, Cubs win. Congrats. The Sox also won. So y'all can't have the same record as us. Luke Stuckmeyer is trying to tease me, trying to poke the bear, saying the Cubs and Sox would have the same record. No, the White Sox will at least have one more win than the Cubs. So screw you, Shane. Screw you, Luke. Screw you, Cody. Corey, I, mean, I haven't even met Brendan. Screw him. Screw Ryan Herrera in Missouri. Did you see that bad beat on Saturday I mean, of Missouri? Missouri. I, I had Missouri on the money line at plus 220, Miznos. and I am blaming Ryan Herrera for that one. They had so many chances to put Auburn away. Make the field goal. Miss a field goal. The guy's not even warming up on the sidelines. Miss a field goal. Drop an interception. They were offsides on a missed field goal. Then they nail that field goal, go up three. And then the guy has a, a wide open lane to the end zone. He fumbles the ball on the one. Mm-hmm. Like, screw Mizzou. Screw Ryan Herrera. I, I agree. I, I love agree. you too, Shane. But get out of here. Get out of here. We don't need this. We don't need that. Congrats on the Cubs win. The Sox, are, Sox are kicking up their feet. I don't have to worry about the Sox and Cubs having the same record, baby. I'm all good. I, I'm in happy land. I mean, my guy just sent me a tweet, and I don't know if it's uh, actually true. For the first time in the 139 uh, years that they've played each other, Phillies and Cubs, there's been a season sweep. Really? Yeah, 6-0. Damn. The Cubs have swept the Phillies both in Philadelphia here in Chicago. And the Philadelphia Phillies are playing for something right now. Yeah. Phillies and uh, Brewers are tied for that last wildcard spot in the National League. So Cubs helping out the Brewers here. Um, yep. And, and Enjoy that, Shane. When the Brewers are in the playoffs... You made it happen. You Cub fans made that happen. And I get why Shane's talking trash because DR says embarrassing that the Sox and Cubs record are this close, which is absolutely true. I want to go up in the comments. I think it was by Carlos, um, and he mentioned why you guys keep bringing up that the Sox have the seventh highest payroll in baseball. It doesn't matter. It does does matter, Carlos. And I I do appreciate your comments. He had two comments, if you wouldn't mind just searching Carlos' name. But he said, please stop bringing up the seventh highest payroll crap. He should have spent more, and it's about how you spend it none of those big signings worked at all i'm bringing up 
seventh highest because it's notable. The White Sox had the seventh highest payroll in baseball. The White Sox shouldn't be as bad as the Cubs are. They shouldn't be below 500. The fact that they have the seventh highest payroll, I'm bringing it up to shame them, Carlos. I'm bringing it up to rub them in their faces. This team should not be where they're at. The fact that they have the seventh highest payroll in baseball and have this record is mired in mediocrity. It's the same crap he was talking about in 2016. And let's look at Rick Hahn's money and all the money that he's been able to spend. This is the highest payroll he's ever had. And what does he have to show for it? Another losing season. It matters that it's the seventh highest payroll because it won't be the seventh highest payroll next year because they didn't make the fucking playoffs. And the fans are going to suffer. In 2012, he had the 11th highest payroll. In 2013, he had the 9th. In 2014, he had the 20th. In 2015, he had the 15th. 2016, he had the 16th highest. 2017, 15th. 2018, Last payroll in baseball, 29th, 26th payroll in baseball, 2020, the 17th payroll in baseball, and 2021, the 15th payroll in baseball. They have been top 10 twice in Rick Hahn's GM reign here, and they've only been over $200 million once. It was this year, and they didn't do shit with it. And the reason why I bring up the seventh highest payroll is because people always go back to the, Jerry doesn't give him money. Jerry, it's Jerry's fault. He's cheap. No, he gave him money. Rick just had a poor job of spending this money and identifying what the White Sox have needed for years, a right fielder. They've needed a right fielder for a long time. He's tried to go and get you uh, Nomar Mazzaro, who sucks. He's tried to go and bring back that garbage Adam Eaton. Sucked. Right when it happened, I said, Adam Eaton's trash. Do not bring him back. Somebody, oh, he won a World Series with the Washington Nationals. He sucks. And this is Rick Hahn. This is what Rick Hahn does. He keeps on sucking and keeps on keeping his job. And then people make excuses for him and say, Jerry's cheap. Jerry hired Tony. No, let's stop it. It's it's this is Rick's fault. This is the problem. Like people always say, man, Rick built this off this uh, nice roster up. Man, it's awesome roster. Good job, Rick. And then when it comes to actually evaluating, oh, they were too hurt. Oh, no, Jerry was doing this. Oh, no, Tony was doing that. Can we just look at the guy who put the the roster together and give him some blame every once in a while instead of just like him and Hahn about everything else? No, this is on Rick Hahn. The most, if I get a pie chart, Rick Hahn gets the most blame. Maybe not all of it. He gets the most blame out of all this. More than Jerry, more than everybody else. It's Rick Hahn's fault. I don't know if I, uh, yeah. Who's gets but, but more Jerry, than Rick Hahn? But, but Jerry's been here for 40 years. So I, I just think that m maybe he deserves more blame because of the culture that he set and the fact that Tony La Russa was allowed back into this organization, I think is is just such a, a, a demeaning year. thing. And yes, they won 93 games last year. Um, and, and Carlos is saying, I'm talking about spending the money the correct way. It's no... Uh, way we shouldn't have Harper and Machado, Richard and and Jerry are to blame too. Yes, Rick Hahn and Jerry are to blame. But here's the thing. White Sox fans get so annoyed at having a seat at the table. You don't have a seat at the table if you don't have money. You can't just go and offer Manny Machado $275 million on a crap option, right, if you don't have that money. Jerry was willing to spend it in some way. Rick Hahn needs to be a better seller. He needs to say, we need this guy. This is how this guy is going to change his team. He is not a good salesperson. He can't sell to other teams. You could see the trade deadline this year. He's not been able to go get that big free agent, even though they made a play for Bryce Harper and they made a play for Manny Machado. They made a play for Zach Wheeler and couldn't get him too. Rick Hahn can't sell Chicago to free agents. It's it's this guy's fault. So again, the money's not being spent the correct way because the guy in the position of spending the money is doing a shit job at sending it. And you're asking, like, what should we look for in 2023? It's how do they get themselves out of it? Like, there's not much to sell you on. There's not a lot of hope that I can sell you on. What I'm telling the White Sox should do, or what I think the White Sox should do, is get rid of their MVP, their 2022, or their 2020 MVP, the guy who's going to have 79 retired, have a whole big ceremony, deserves to have so many standing ovations in Chicago for what he's done as a White Sox. I think the White Sox need to get away from that player. Because they don't understand how to win. And I think that getting away from Jose Abreu could possibly create a new culture where Aloy needs to step up, Andrew Vaughn needs to step up, Makana needs to step up, Robert needs to step up, because the guy that always steps up, the guy that's always showing up, the guy that's always answering the bell is gone. Yep. I I, I, I don't know I don't how they get it, out of this. And I, I won't have optimism about this team until they until they start winning games. Like I won't have optimism about this team until like June of twenty twenty three. If they're like, you know, 
five games above 500. I'll start having optimism then. But until we start seeing changes, I'm not going to sell you on an optimistic 2023. I mean, we've already said that what Rick Hahn, when he has his end-of-the-season press conference, he will bring up the injuries. He will bring up uh, career lows in, uh, in hitting. He'll bring up the lack of home runs. He'll bring up everything that isn't germane to him. He'll be looking at other people like, man, the team sucked. Tony sucked. Everything else sucked. But we believe that bringing back all this suck and next year going to next year, somehow magically we'll get better. Yay. An off season. Yay. We're going to just get better because they're better than that. I don't know. Like, I don't know why he can't look in the mirror. Rick Hahn probably don't have any mirrors at this house hmm. and see what the real problem is. It's him and how he does his job. As I said yesterday, if I was Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams with the job security I got, man, I'll be doing some wild ass shit, wild shit where I'm trying different things. Cause I know that Jerry is the owner that he is. And if you're going to usurp my authority in hiring the, the, um, manager, I'm gonna do some wild stuff so I can, uh, proof this roster from Tony Russa so I can make sure that everything is on the up and up and get some more depth on this team. He knew we need depth. He knew that, uh, uh, that Aloy is off injured. He knew that Luis Roberts off injured. So you need more depth on the team. And he did not get that. He did not get help at the uh, all-star break where we needed it. And Jake Diekman is nothing. And now he's coming back this year. He's he signed the White Sox to a bunch of bad deals now that they're, they're stuck with. It's really bad. I wish he was hired. Yes. And uh, I do want to go to a super chat. We got one from our guy, Stefan Bardo oh. saying Mark Payton only making $700,000. And that's the reason why Engel won't be back. Yeah. I don't think they're going to tender angle at all um i don't know if peyton's going to be that replacement but it, i mean seeing that you can get something i mean adam Ingle's just been so horrible i mean it doesn't even matter how good mark peyton's been i think just adam Ingle's is going to get non-tendered yeah. anyways but we do want to give a shout out to mark peyton got his first career rbi in the league on his hometown team st rita alum your guys south side zoe's got to be real that's happy. what st rita people do they don't win football games when it's necessary <laughs> against the wheat north falcons they get smoked it. in the championship games but they can hit a baseball and they can uh, have an RBI. Sorry, Southside Zoe. There you go. I had to so, bring that up. And by the way, they're ranked higher than the Wheat North Falcon in the 7A standings. Come on now. They lost two games. I know they lost the two games to Mount Carmel and Loyola. But damn it, we lost the one game to St. Charles North. I know I'm mad about high school sports and I'm a 43-year-old man. I know it's pathetic. Shut up, guys. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steven, what else we got? I think we just got the Giolito stuff. Is that is that it? All right, let's go to the Giolito stuff. Um, shout out to Mark Payton, though, for the first uh, career RBI. Sox win 4-3, to three, so it was an important one. Uh, this is Lucas Giolito's line. Five innings pitch, two earned runs, four hits, three walks, six Ks. I don't care too much about Louis Varland, so I'm not even going to read his stats. Um, let's look at Lucas's pitch mix today. Um, yeah, 47 fastballs thrown, 27 change-ups, 17 sliders, two curveballs. Called strict plus whiff percentage of 28%. League average is 27, so he's an average pitcher today. Uh, nice to see 14 called strikes. The main thing that people are going to be looking at, though, is that pitch velocity. The four-seam fastball was about... Uh, was down about two miles per hour on average to his yearly average. So it was sitting on a, about 90.8. The yearly mm -hmm. average is 92.7. So he was down today. I think he had four fastballs that were 92 plus and 12 that were below 90. Changeup was down about 2.6 miles per hour. We did see some interesting changeups. Seems like he might have tweaked it a little bit. It seemed like he had two changeups, one that was more straight down and one that faded away to righties. So that might be interesting to see if Lucas has another start. Um, and then the curveball was also down three miles per hour, but only threw two, threw two of those. But I want to go to the, the adjustments that he made because you ended up bringing this up. We brought this up with Vinny. You know, what changed for Lucas Giolito? I think it was mainly he went away from that changeup and, and as much as he threw it, um, he threw eight changeups in the first inning and it seemed like that was really what hitters were locking in against Giolito. And you could see against right-handers, he threw seven change-ups versus right-handers in the first inning, then only one, one, two, and four. So he really started to lower that usage and became more of a slider fastball pitcher against right-handers. And I think that was the main thing was the Twins forced him to use his two worst pitches. They know the changeup was the best pitch that he has, so he turned him into a slider and fastball pitcher. And honestly, the second through the fifth innings, G lead will look fine. So I got to give him credit for this. The changeup looks good. The yep. changeup stats are fantastic. 37% called strike plus whiffs. Got five whiffs on 16 changes, five called strikes as well. That's a great pitch. And the fact that he was still able to do 
positive damage with this fastball and slider with the velocity where it's at, it gives me a little hope. I really do think he's still being affected by the weight that he put on this offseason, and I don't think he ever came over that abdominal injury. Hopefully, during the offseason, he'll be able to rest up, heal that muscle properly, and he'll be able to come back for the Sox. And I'm not expecting Lucas the ace back, but... I think that there is still at least a competent starting pitcher there where if you're looking for a fifth starter or a fourth starter, I think I'd be fine having Lucas Giolito be that pitcher at least for the first two months of next year. Yeah, he's in his prime. So I don't think that this is going to be Lucas Giolito where he's a low 90s, 89 mile per hour fastball anymore where he was started his career in the high 90s. Just lost a lot of velocity this year. And like you said, a lot of things, the abdominal uh, injury, the COVID he went out with earlier. I don't know the effects of... COVID with a pitcher, you know, with the stamina, how far you can pitch and how well you can pitch. So blank slate, go away, have a good offseason, heal up 100%, and then have a good offseason. And I think he can get back to a level because we saw this before. Where 2018 was the worst pitcher in baseball, he worked with Ethan Katz and came back in 2019. He was much better. Now, some would say he had better stuff then, and yes, he did. But that changeup wasn't developed as it is now. I think his changeup, as you said, is the best pitch, and it's been looking really crisp those last couple starts. But today, they were just keying in, and they brought it up in the broadcast that it reminded them of that Boston series, that Boston game where they had Lucas Giolito giving up seven runs early versus the Boston Red Sox last year. And he pretty much had to shelf that change up for the rest of the year or not shelf it, but go more slider today. He learned his lesson. He saw that they're keying on the change up and he adjusted. That's good. Good in game adjustments to what the hitters are doing and what the uh, scouting report you could see in that first inning, what they were looking on and what they're keying on. And so they did what they had to do. And Lucas had to adjust back to him. He is a pitcher that can do that. We've seen that time and time again in this year where he gets hit hard early, especially home runs, and then adjust. And from second on to the six, he was good. In the middle of the season, he was just horrendous. Just one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Now it seems like he's working his way back to being at least acceptable. Five innings is not what you want. But for Lucas Giolito, we'll take anything positive right now going into this last game of the uh, last start of the season, which will be next year or next week versus these Minnesota Twins. Well, and we hear Luis Robert when he's playing through injuries and what Vinny just recently wrote about on allchgo.com. Um, and you could read that if you remember that how he wanted to play through that injury, how he got those eight days off and still wanted to fight through it. But what he was realizing was, you know, he wasn't able to use his hand in the same way. And I wonder if Giolito, Vinny was talking about those mechanics and those changes that he was trying to do, and he wasn't doing it really, you know, game after game and try to do it all at once and overhaul his mechanics. I do wonder then if this abdominal heals and he's able to throw back to his other way, is he then going to have to readjust his mechanics as well? Yeah. And I think one thing that I haven't really seen from Lucas this year is that drive, and not like the the, the mentality of drive, but like the physical Actual, drive yeah. of pitching. What was really, you know, noticeable about Giolito. He had a really unique delivery in the way that he finished. I don't think he's finishing the same way. And I think it's just because that abdominals yeah. hurt, he's not able to pull down as much. That's why that velocity's down. I really do think it's an injury issue with him that hopefully he'll be able to heal up with. Uh, Katz is able to work on those mechanics and get him back to where he was. But we even see Spencer Strider. Like, Spencer Strider in college threw about, like, 95. And then he got more depth. He got more, uh, uh, you know, he was able to get more drive on that the, the, his lower half, and he was able to get up to, like, 102. I think just Lucas needs more drive in those lower half, and I think it's probably difficult. You see Spencer Strider, he's a smaller frame guy. Lucas being that big, I think it's just really difficult for him to work on it so hopefully he puts in that work in the offseason he's able to get healthier and I think that we'll be able to bounce back uh, Jim Margulis used to talk about Rodon grunting through with the fastball maybe Giolito needs to trust that more yeah I, I think it's just more of you know you got to throw it with emphasis you got to throw it with with conviction and I think right now he's throwing it with command and not conviction and I think he's got to figure out how to mix those two I mean we saw when Liam Hendricks first got here he said he would rather throw a bad pitch with actual confidence than a good pitch without confidence yeah. because of how you feel about that pitch kind of dictates to the batter how he will react to it so if you feel like you're a badass and you know that these people can't hit you even though it's middle middle fastball 99 miles per hour you want to challenge them that sometimes scares hitters it's like oh man you what word? Okay, cool. But if you throw the filthiest pitch ever and, and people spit on it, it's like, hey, and you had no confidence in that pitch. Right. Sometimes you see a non-competitive pitch from time to time and somebody brings up the uh, six weaknesses, uh, he loses command. 
less and less this year have you seen Lou, uh, Dylan Cease throw non-competitive pitches. Last year was like the thing right. he used to do. And early in this year, he was the thing. And that's why he's developed himself into a Cy Young contender. Lucas Giolito needs to have a little bit more confidence and maybe the injury, the not finishing correctly, losing velocity on the fastball, all these things make you lose confidence in what you're doing. And seeing the ball get hit really goddamn hard makes you lose a little confidence in what you're doing. And so you're pitching kind of like kicking rocks around there. People are going to pick up on that, and they're going to crush you. Yeah, and to cease last year – Early on in the season, it was difficult for him to even throw first pitch strikes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that clearly he's changed. But uh, I think in the first five starts of 2021, he had about, I would say, a first pitch strike of 31%. Um, Now it's around 58%. So what Lucas has just been able, or what Dylan's been able to do is just find that mechanics. If he has an off pitch, he's able to correct it within. He's able to stay Focus, compose, and, he, and that's the biggest thing with Cease is that confidence is there, but he also has that composure. And that's why I think, you know, when he's walking off the mound and he realized he had a big minute, a big big moment or a big inning, he's not overwhelmed and still in his head walking to the dugout. He's able to take it in, take in that crowd and that energy and just be like, all right, I did my job, let's go. Um, and we even see Hendricks. You talk about, like, throwing bad pitches but with, with confidence. I mean, you were talking about how he's going to blow it today. Um, yeah. But one, I think the second Some guy he struck tools. out, it was one-two pitch. 99 over the middle of the plate, but it was outside. And like, I think it was just, you know, guys, when you're going up against them, it's probably like, oh, am I looking slider away? Am I looking fastball up and in? Oh, it's down the middle shit. And it's just like, you threw that with confidence. The guy was just like not confident up there. And that's all it is, is you just need to throw it with conviction. And I don't know if, uh, if Giolito has, has been doing that this year. Final thing before we wrap this up, I told her it would be a 45-minute podcast. We're already at an hour. We always say that. Uh, we got one more thing. Uh, let's go to today's Socksmith video. We got to give a huge shout-out to our guy, Sean Janko. You can follow Sean Janko on Twitter, at Sean underscore W. Or, no, I was started to do my own damn tag. Uh, you can follow Sean on Twitter, at Sean underscore Janko, J-N-K-O. Uh, his dad usually hangs out in this, uh, this chat as well, and Sean does as well. They're great Sox fans, and you can tell he's a great Sox fan because look at the shirt he's wearing. Thanks, Jason and Steve, for another great season, even though it wasn't the outcome we wanted. As now a two-time winner of Sox Math, I humbly request the return of the prize shelf back in 2023. Back to you, Jason and Steve, for today's Sox Math question. Congrats to Sean Janko, shirt choice of the year. Oh, I yeah. already wore uh, a CHGO shirt and a Sox Math shirt, but now the fact that, you know, it, it's a non-employee wearing it, I think it's it's a tip of the cap to Sean Janko. Uh, great job, and... Jason and Steve said they're bringing back the prize closet. So uh, he's, he's just getting wins for uh, Sox fans today. He's using his pro, his, uh, his profile and his uh, progress on Sox math, like you did, to both have us get a little shine and also bring back something for everyone. You could have had four bobbleheads by now if they had the, the prize <laughs> shelf. Could have had a signed picture of Barbara Eden by now. Ooh, I would. I want the the Stony Mints one. I mean, I I really do. If I if I had an Altoid Mints uh, box signed by Stony, I think that would make my year. That that's that's the that's the prize I want. But uh, shout out to Sean Janko for wearing the shirt and uh, representing Sox fans well. And uh, after every Sox fan or af- after every Sox game, uh, he has the uh, three positives. Uh, for White Sox. Uh, so even in a bad season, Sean Janko is always bringing positivity uh, for your Sox. So he's a great follow. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Sean underscore Janko. Exactly. And he's a good guy. Good cat. Yeah. One of the best. One of those nice I, Iowans. An Iowan cat. Yeah. Probably likes those uh, Hawkeyes. Uh, no, he's a, he's a cycloner. Uh, I mean, don't hold that against him either. I, well, I'm just going to bet against Iowa State. I, that's, that's, that's not really that's foolhardy. his fault. Um, I, I just like the Jayhawks. I, I will be winning money on Saturday, and you won't be. Kansas football. Kansas money line, baby. Ugh. Plus 125. They're 4-0. They should be ranked. Watch when we come back here on Sunday. Yeah. Sean's going to be broke. Hawkins going to be all out. Oh, man. That's going to be the Padres. That's going to be Padres series. I'm excited. How, what are you expecting here? I mean, I'm expecting the Padres to celebrate in front of the White Sox, at least when these two out of three games they're going to celebrate their wild card berth, and I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be great no matter what. If the White Sox win, I'm going to be less happy. And then the Padres are going to be very happy. It's going to be great that they're going to the playoffs. I'm happy that you Like, got if it. it was a, a thing where both teams needed it, of course, I'm cheering for the White Sox. But the White Sox don't need it anymore. The Padres do. So, I'm going to be 
Padre and up. I'm gonna be brown and yellow, brown and yellow, brown and yellow. I hope, I hope that you uh, you you get that win and and your one of your teams makes another playoffs. Big game tonight for your uh, Padres against the Dodgers. They got Wilson versus Gratterall, uh, and then the Sox series on Friday. It's gonna be Darvish versus Davis Martin. Oof, that's a loss for the White Sox. Saturday it's gonna be Clevenger versus Cease. We're gonna win that one. And then Sunday Snell versus Lynn. Oh, Ian Snell. So. Uh, Blake Snell's been great. Ian Snell's been terrible. We should Blake's be been great. Uh, and as a, one of his great friends is Zach Levine. They look very oh. much alike, and they're both from Seattle. There you go. And they're uh, Dayton sisters, I believe, too. Oh, uh, kissing cousins and Dayton sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Uh, the hell was I talking about? Anyways, uh, congrats, great. To, congrats to your Padres. We'll be with you. And on Marcos, that. enjoy your time out there at Petco. Anybody who's going to yes. Petco, other recommendations? I would uh, enjoy uh, PB going to Pacific Beach. Awesome. There's nothing uh, better than uh, taking a nice stroll on PB, MB, any of them, Ocean Beach. All of them. They're great. Go to a B. Yeah. Go go out to the SD and go to a B. I mean, if you just want a just generic taco slash uh, burrito, go to Lolita's. There's eight million there. Go to Rigoberto's. I think there's one on. Rigoberto's is over there. They have a breaded chicken sandwich, a breaded steak sandwich. That's not it. Um, yeah, and maybe if you have some time during the day, go to TJ, which is Tijuana. Enjoy yourself in Tijuana. Ooh. Really cheap fish, delicious food, some culture. I heard Tijuana's getting a little. I mean, it's little, always been that. It's always iffy. it's cartel. It's cartel run. But if you go during the day, you can enjoy yourself. All right. Well, go to Tijuana during the day. Make and sure Dan, you have your. Passport. Dan wants you to go to the San Diego Zoo. There you go. Uh, go to the zoo. You like the zoo? Never went when I was out there. I'm, I'm not a big zoo guy. But, Me either. Uh, hey, Dan from the 209 saying go to the zoo. It is one of the best zoos in in the uh, world, apparently. But also Griffith Park. Go to Griffith Park. It's, a, it's an awesome place. Yeah, you could take a couple pictures. You could dry, ride a scooter through Griffith Park, which I did when I was out there. Uh, very pet- picturesque out in the Griffith Park, right so, in, like in the down, just off of the downtown area. Go to the Griffith Park, take some pictures, and send Herb on Twitter at Eckerwall23. He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. <clears throat> I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Man, I need to take a sip of water. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at that handle. Uh, thanks for Vinny Duber for joining us from Target Field for the past three days. That was cool. And carne asada fries, Marcos. There you go. Um, so and if you want any more SD uh, tips, hit up Twerb on, Herb on, Twerb on Twerb. Twitter. I'm, I can uh, be Twerb. You can follow him at Actorall23. Thank you, Steven Nicholas, for producing the show, and thank you all for hanging out with us in the chat. Kevin said he left and got a brio half hour into the show and came back, and y'all are still talking socks. That's the job, and we'll be back on Sunday at 2.30. Uh, Clark asked if you need to watch the replay. Probably not. Spend your time with your, your family, loved ones, friends. Go to a bar. Watch something else. Um, yeah. Watch paint dry. Yeah. Maybe do do some laundry. Um, anyways, thank you, Fleetwood Mac, for your 1979 album, Tusk. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Go Sox.